This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 19 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, presented by Equestrian Life. Exclusive coverage of the world of dressage. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life. They can be found at equestrianlife.com and Kentucky Performance Products online at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Debbie McDonald, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show presented by Equestrian Life. Well, hi, Debbie, and welcome to your first gig as co-host of a radio show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Well, tell us what you've been up to these days. I know you, 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 know, you haven't really retired, retired, have you? Because I hear you're dashing it not just around the country, but around the world. <laughs> That's very true. I have to say, uh, I I thought retirement would be a little bit easier than this, but um, I'm enjoying it. I'm just doing a lot of coaching and clinicking, and uh, you're right. I've been all over. So, but I'm enjoying it and uh, looking forward to a trip with Adrian to Europe uh, in November. Well, that's exciting. But tell us, tell tell our listeners about your trip to Australia because I know you just came back from down under. Was that fun? It was fun, I have to say. Uh, they worked my butt off, but uh, <laughs> uh, my biggest thing I wanted to see, and I did accomplish that, was to see a kangaroo, and it even had a little baby Joey in its pouch. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very excited about that. I know they didn't find it exciting, but um, I guess they're pests to them, but they were sure cute to me. Well, they are a lot of fun, you know, but you have to be a little bit careful with the joey because I think if they've got a baby in their pouch, they can come up and box you. Have you heard about that? Well, I have, but the <laughs> ones that I came close to, actually, they, they ran away very soon. I didn't feel threatened at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun to see these in the wild, you know, when you, you read about them, you see pictures of them, we actually get up to these you know animals it's an extraordinary experience isn't it something we never see at home well it is and I was just amazed at the at the height and the like the size of their tail it was enormous I was just shocked and and they are it's just uh all their wildlife you know very different than what we see here the colors of all their parrots that are flying around and all that I found fascinating and the people were really, really wonderful. I have to say they have a great sense of humor. A lot of fun to be around. Good. Well, we do have a lot of listeners down under, too. So hopefully they'll be tuning in and, uh, and listening to you on the show here. Deb, we're delighted that you're able to join us. And uh, welcome aboard, as they say. And we're starting off with a really good show for you this week, Debbie. We've got uh, Robert Dover as our guest. Oh, wonderful. He'll have a lot of good stuff, I think, to bring. He definitely does. You know, it, it, he, like you, is kind of semi-retired from the international arena, but uh, nonetheless as busy as ever. So we're looking forward to catching up with Robert a little bit later on in the show here. Before okay. we get to that, we've got a few items of news, Debbie. And, and, the, and the first item of news this week is really sad, actually. Isabel vs. Gigolo, FRH, uh, he sadly died at the age of 26. He was a wonderful, wonderful partner for 
Isabel, they won four Olympic gold medals, two uh. silvers, four worlds, eight European titles, as well as four German championships over a 20-year career. And apparently he was the most successful sport horse ever. So very sad for Isabel to lose such a great uh, partner. And, and, um, and what a champion he was for her in her career, wasn't he, Deb? Oh, I'll say. My heart goes out to her. I can only imagine what that must be like to lose such a friend and partner. Um, they were they were amazing together. I have to say, I can remember, you know, being at shows where they were competing and, and just kind of feeling like I was a little fly on the wall, but it was sure a wonderful experience to, to witness them together. And like I said, my heart goes out to her. I, I know how devastated she must be. He was a big horse too, wasn't he, Debbie, with a lot of presence. You know, when he came in, he just is a bit like the mayor, your mayor, you know, just came in and into the arena and said, hey, look at me. <laughs> yeah, he did. He really did. I think uh, one of those combinations that definitely will, you know, put a stamp on dressage and will never be forgotten. Absolutely. Well, Isabel, of course, has been in the news uh, currently for a number of reasons. Not only um, is she under suspension, but she's also expecting her first child. And we've reported that a few times on the Dressage Radio Show that when we're wishing them all the very best of luck, that's a very exciting uh, prospect for her to be a mother for the first time. But in the meantime, the Germans uh, have suspended Isabel for one calendar year. And that's led to quite a bit of a reaction from dressage officials in, in Europe. Uh, but uh, they're keen to point out that this doesn't mean that she can uh, she has to stop uh, in her profession. And they're looking forward to her to being part of the team again and fully expect her to be back in time for Aachen next year and team selection for the World Equestrian Games. So uh, I, th I think she's got a very suitable distraction there, hasn't she, for a while, Debbie? Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it is very unfortunate. And, and I can't help but think that maybe uh, they all kind of knew underneath that, that she was going to be out of it anyway, because she was having a child. And, um, you know, with all the dopening problems that they've had, especially in their country, I must say, um, I, I hate to say it, but she I think she was set up as an example. So, um a very unfortunate situation for her. But like I said, uh, she's going to be busy. And before she knows it, she's going to be back out there and, and everybody will see her in the spotlight again. And, and this will all be behind her. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to that. And we look forward to just a couple of months time. We should be reporting news of the arrival of her, her first child. So good luck to Isabel there. And uh, if we can, we certainly would love to have her on the show to talk about that. But uh, she's probably got her hands full now getting ready for that. <laughs> yes, her life will change as she knows it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we had a bit of excitement up in Devon this past weekend, Debbie. A uh, few uh, wonderful results here for um, our, our um, riders up at, at the very popular dressage at Devon competition and uh, and I noticed that uh, Cesar Parra actually had a nice win in the pre-Saint-Georges with Olympia and in the Intermediate One. That was a good result for him. Very good result. Um, I'm very happy for him. Um, nice to see he's become a U.S. citizen and um, yeah, he's been he's been setting the world on fire a little bit. So that's exciting. Very exciting. 
And, and great to see Chris Hickey very close, uh, close chasing him there. He came in second <laughs> in the Prix Saint-Georges with that lovely horse, Cabana Boy, who's been who's just had the most remarkable results, that horse, over the period of his career as a young horse, of course, coming up through the young horse ranks. And he got third there as well in the intermediate one. So great result for, for Chris as well. Another exciting prospect for our team, Debbie. I think so. I think, um, you know, the next few years are going to be quite exciting. There's some really nice horses coming out. And uh, a new combination there, winning, winning the Grand Prix Special, Lars Peterson, who, of course, rides for Denmark. He won that with the man Naomi, um, just ahead of Pierre Saint-Jacques with Lucky Tiger. Yeah, I saw that. That looked exciting, too. I'll be interesting to watch that. I'm anxious to see that combination. And Susan Giacomi, she came in third behind the boys there with Wadimer and went on to win the Grand Prix Special and reversed the uh, the rankings there, actually. Uh, she relegated uh, Lars to second place and uh, Pierre to uh, third place. So uh, they, they were tooth and nail, those uh, those three, obviously, over the Yeah, and, and I don't know if I, I read it correctly, but I heard they had quite some weather to... Uh, you know, and against them as well. Was that what I read? They had did they? Did they? I, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't spoken to anybody who who was up at, at Devon yet. Uh, plan to do that next I week. I read. I thought I read that there was some rain involved in there. Well, that sounds about right for the East Coast, doesn't it? <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> We've had our share of rain, um, but I, hopefully uh, not too much up there. They, they they certainly had it at Gladstone this Well, of course, you were there and you came on the show um, uh, after that. Did you get web feet after that, Deb? Oh, yes. I, I definitely think that was, that was definitely a show to forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, Devon is one that uh, Jacqueline Brooks from Canada will remember. She won the Grand Prix for Kerr with Balmoral. And wow. she was second in the Grand Prix Curta Music with the same horse. And that was won by Tina Cunha with Collecto. Yeah, um, I, I saw some pictures of that one. That one looks an interesting prospect as well. So really good competition up there. Um, you know, lots of good horses. And, you know, it also is an indicator of who's doing what. And, you know, and people will be trying to position themselves now, won't they, uh, Debbie, you know, with the, the World Equestrian Games next year. Absolutely. A lot a lot to happen in the next few months. And our final item of news this week is about the doping discussion that's going to be taking place at the Global Dressage Forum on October 26th and 27th. You mentioned that earlier in relation to uh, Isabel's case, Debbie, and it looks as if they're going to really address this and, of course, the zero-tolerance policy that they have. And uh, Fritz Sleiter, who's a veterinarian who now works for the General Secretary of Holland's top equestrian organization, Sectorad, and he left the uh, FEI shortly after the Olympic Games last year. He's going to be heading up that discussion um, in the Netherlands that's going to take place in Hugemede in, uh, in October. Um, you know, it's a very hot topic, isn't it, Debbie? It, it really is, and I think, you know, um, we've, got to, we've got to find some kind of a you know, way that to work this all out because it's definitely gonna gonna kill our sport off if we don't. That's for sure. So we do need to get things things going in a positive direction. Oh, good. Well, hopefully that will one, be one step to improving the communications between the FEI and riders and all the vets and everyone involved. And uh, that about wraps up our news for this week, Debbie. And uh, we're going to take a short break here before we come to our first guest. So. Uh, 
Stay tuned and we'll be right back. It is fantastic to have our friends at Equestrian Life as the title sponsors for the Dressage Radio Show. If you have not been to Equestrian Life yet, you need to go. In addition to being the official social community for the Horse Radio Network, it is one of the fastest-growing horse communities on the Internet. It is truly the Facebook for horse people. The goal of EquestrianLife.com is to bring equestrians together and to provide them with the breadth and depth of information and tools they need to learn and connect with other horse lovers who share the same passion. EquestrianLife.com is a fun, inviting website that strives to provide its members with a world-class experience that fosters the expression of all the ways people enjoy their horses and the people who are part of the horse world. EquestrianLife.com's social media platform provides users with cutting-edge applications and tools, such as people in horse profiles, social Q&A, status updates, messaging, photo uploading, groups, comments, blogs, expert high-definition videos, directories, birthday reminders, alerts, messaging, and on and on and on, in addition to their partnership with the Horse Radio Network. This community is designed by horse people for horse people and is filled with educational and entertaining video and audio all about our horses. Ride on over to Equestrian Life today, sign up for free, and tell all of your friends. If you love horses, equestrianlife.com is the place to be. Well, thanks again to our sponsors, Equestrian Life. Uh, without them, this show would not be possible. We appreciate them. And don't forget that Equestrian Life is our official social network for Horse Radio Network. So go visit them at equestrianlife.com. Well, we're coming to our guest of the day, uh, who uh, is known to everybody. He hardly needs any introduction from me at all, Debbie. I mean, he's a multi-Olympian <laughs> trainer, clinician, and he now has his own website, uh, which he's very active on, doversworld.com, and he's uh, creating quite a following on that. And I know he was involved with the recent uh, the judging trials that took place in Aachen, so I was very interested to hear what that was all about, how they came about, so... Uh, uh, let's listen to what Robert has to say about what he's getting involved with these days. Well, hi, Robert. Thanks for joining us on the Dressage Radio Show. We, you know, we knew we were going to eventually get, get you on the show because you've got a lot of people out there wondering what you're up to these days. How are you? I'm doing great. Listen, thanks so much, Chris, and I'm happy to be on your show. Well, it's great to have you, and I know you're settled down in your little corner of Florida, uh, Florida these days. Now, tell us... Uh, what it is you're up to. We read about you in the news. We know that you've been darting around the world, uh, not just giving clinics, but you're also involved with these new dressage uh, judging trials recently in Germany, weren't you? Right. I was in Aachen a couple of weeks ago, and um, the FBI dressage task force on which I sit um, held the first ever drudge, uh, judging systems trials, we called them. And the desire of the task force was to try out about nine different um, tests that were used to see if we could do a positive uh, modification on uh, our judge, our present judging system. So it was very interesting. We had about 40 uh, riders from pre-St. George to Grand Prix. Most of the ones were doing Grand Prix. And we um, went from morning until 
literally about 10 o'clock at night uh, working with judges from all over the world, about 35 of them, and um, ended up just having a fascinating uh, week. So would this just be for the upper levels then, Robert? These these new judges, will, will they only impact the upper levels, or is this a, a review of the system that will, in fact, affect all levels? Well, let's say this. Uh, what our job as a task force is to do is to work on five tasks that we were given, one of which was the um, the judging system that is presently in place, and to see where if possible, we could modify and modernize that system so as to make it even more fair, understandable, transparent, and embraced by the entire world dressage community. So we took that task on, and one of the things that we did was run this trials with the thought that we would produce conclusions that would then be forwarded um, sometime in late October to the FEI. And these conclusions will probably go out to all national governing bodies as well as the five stakeholder groups. Um, and then, depending upon what the new DC which is going to be formed in November, the new dressage committee and the FBI decide they, they may or may not choose to implement um, what we've concluded. So what I can tell you is this, we had a very positive time in Aachen and I believe have produced some wonderful new changes to the present judging system, which I'm hopeful will be um, used and utilized in the future. And if they are, they'll impact dressage at every level from the basic levels all the way through the International Grand Prix. Yes, interesting. I mean, judging has always been, dressage has always been a bit of a hot potato, hasn't it, Robert? So how did these actually come about? Who, who initiated this? Was it the FEI that said, look, we're going to have to address the judging system and, and completely give it an overhaul? How did that come about, Robert? Yeah, I think that the fact that, that dressage is one of those Olympic disciplines which is judged in a subjective way and must be uh, uh, judged in a, a subjectively, at least in part, the feeling has been for many, many years that we need to not only make sure that we have the most educated and, um, and experienced judges at all levels for riders everywhere in the world, but also that as much as we possibly can the system by which dressage is judged should be objectified so that everyone that is watching it and competing in it, as well as judging it, understands as best they possibly can why scores are given um, and what those scores actually represent. Uh, and, and I think, too, the, the fact that 
you've seen in other sports where there have been problems and conflicts that cause the overhaul of that sports judging system. I think that um, we had come to a place in the judging of our sport at the highest level where it became obvious that we needed to do something in order to make appropriate changes in the future if we want to be viable going forward. And do you think those changes, um, that any recommendations that you made will affect changes in the next calendar year? Robert, what kind of time framing are, are we looking at for any significant changes in the system? You know, this is going to be up to the FEI, um, the executive board, and the national governing bodies. My my hope would be that if they are going to accept the conclusions of the dressage task force, that as early as 2010, you will see some of the um, changes evolve into the system. Interesting. Yes, and of course we've got a very big year here next year with the World Equestrian Games, and and the way the thing that the, the scores have been going in Europe, Robert, to the European Championships, you have to wonder if we're soon going to be getting so far in the nineties, we're going to be touching a hundred. We may have to change the scoring. Well, well, here's the thing. I think that 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 actually, I would look at it the other way. If you're talking about uh, skating, for instance where there was a time when skating was done on a perfect six, and then they went back to a 10. But if you look at, at it when it was done on a, on a six, and when I say a perfect six, that, that, you know, that word perfect is a funny word. We have a 10, and 10 represents excellent. It doesn't represent perfect. If you look at the word next to the 10 in our handbook, in our FBI handbook. So you see more and more, uh, scores coming back, individual scores where riders are getting tens, and that, as I say, represents excellent. Now, if you think of the best in the world, the very best in the world, you should be able to walk away saying, I just saw what was a very good test. It may have had one problem in it somewhere, but it certainly was, on average, a very good test. That would mean that that, that test should be somewhere in the nineties, logically speaking. And so when you think that it has taken decades since, um, I started in international competition for in LA where the, the score of the bronze, the individual bronze medalist was a 66%. Now, really think about that. That means that it wasn't even fairly good. It was only, on average, satisfactory. And so now you look at that 66% and think where would that be down the list in, uh, in an Olympics. And you see that that 66 might be somewhere around 30th place. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just very different. If it's relatively, it's, it's very, a very different scenario, isn't it? Absolutely, and and rightly so, because I think that the world has a hard time understanding why a seventy-five even would be at the point where I was competing, uh, uh, still on Athens and in the World Cup, 
and I received like a 75 or a 76, when you think that that 75 or 76 in my place as, say, fifth in the Grand Prix Special in Athens, then that 75 or 76 represents a score that's only fairly good as, on average. Do you see? Yes. And the world, looking at that, says, wait a minute. You mean that the very best in the world is only averaging a fairly good? And so that's why I think the direction that the judging has been taking, where, um, where a Stefan Peters or a uh, totalist with Edward Gall will receive up in the 80s and then now even into the 90s is a very positive direction if you look at it from the the sort of the worldview where you're saying, okay, I'm new to the sport, so I see on the the on the sheets that a fairly good is a seven, a very good is a nine, and a ten means excellent, that the fact that he is now that an Edward Gall just made over ninety percent really represents the way you would think the very best in the world should be being scored. And of course, we're raising the bar by this now, aren't we? I talked to Edward and Adelinda just just recently on the show here, Robert, and and uh -huh. it's clear that you know that's now become their expectation and their personal target. But if you look at it globally, we're raising the the, the bar. Across all levels, aren't we? I mean, you, you, if you raise the ceiling, you've got to raise the foundation as well. Absolutely. And then even the median goes up. And uh, I think that it's, it's excellent for the sport and really a long time in coming. And, and I'm happy to see it. Very exciting, Robert. You know, um, it, and, and it surely has to be inspirational to young riders now that uh, these are the standards that we're aspiring to and they can aspire to. Absolutely. I mean, I think that what it says to everyone, if they're really watching, though, is what is it? What is required horse-wise to be at the top of the leaderboard? What is required um, from a standpoint of overall horsemanship and a standpoint of education of the, the riders in every possible way and their horses in order to get um, to, the, to the best spots in the world um, in the ranking list. I think that they're, they're, that is a real eye-opener for riders all over the world. And for those riders out there who are aspiring to Grand Prix and international level in this country, Robert, does this mean that they're going to have to now be even more exposed to judging in Europe because that's where the level is being raised if we're going to be competitive? It's the age-old question, isn't it, you know, of our, our geographical limitations here and that we're not exposed to those European standards of judging all the time. How, how do you think this is going to impact the up-and-coming riders who are trying to get those scores and catch up with the best in the world? Well, I, I, you know what? At the end of the day, whether the CDI is in Saugerties with international judges coming to the United States and judging with our international judges, or that competition is in Holland or in Germany, the, the key isn't where the competition is going on that our riders is, uh, are competing in, the key is 
they better be great. So they need to ride on that standard as Stefan does. So whether Stefan's competing in America in a CDI or in Europe in a CDI, the, those international judges will, if he does a great job, be with a great score. If, 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 uh, you know, our riders do not do a great job, then they will get scores commensurate to the job they do, I believe. And, and the, you the bar is raised. Have, yeah, you don't believe they have to be exposed to that competition, not just the judges, but be competing against the Totilas and the and the Parzivals. Listen, that is, go, that goes without saying. That is was always the case. If that were not the case, I would not have lived in Germany for half of my adult life. So, uh, and, and and Holland. I mean, the reason that I basically lived over there half of the year for you know, decades was because I knew that our, our, um, sport is a who beats who wear sport. So in other words, our world ranking list, our, um, our sport completely, if you really think about it is determined by who beats who wear. So, if you are in Aachen, like Stefan was, and you beat everyone and end up placing first in three classes in the Grand Prix, you are going to the top of that world ranking list. And uh, obviously, if you just compete in the United States, even if you do well enough to make our team, how useful that will be when you end up having to go against those riders, whether they're from England or Holland or Germany or, or any other country that have been competing at that standard and going against each other and, and getting very high scores in Europe, they'll be harder to beat by our rider who has not done that already. And what's been interesting to watch over recent years, Robert, is the changing shift um, within the nations. And we watched in, in the European Championships how Britain has come to the fore. I mean, it was never a country that was rated for its dressage. For its eventing, yes, show jumping, yes, but never for a dressage. And now it's really pulled its socks up and it's catching up. And I was on the medal podium for the first time in yeah. history. Wasn't that wonderful? You know, you know I, could, I could see already... Um, eight years ago that that Great Britain was creating a wonderful programs for their riders. They were looking at what was going on in Germany, looking at what was going on in Holland. They were having very good mentoring programs in their own country. And even while uh, the British were not doing such great jobs as a team, uh, even in, say, for Sydney or, um, uh, you know, in Athens, maybe they were not in the medals there, but you could see that their sport was very excited. There was a lot of positive momentum uh, for the programs that they had started. And when you take uh, Laura with a good horse and, um, and you have always riders like Carl Hester there, who is just a great rider. And you put them with a, a couple of others, with Emma, who has been now very experienced and exposed with her horses. 
and you you know you end up creating a nucleus of a very strong team, which is what the United States has done over the those last uh, four Olympics until this last one in Hong Kong. So I think that they have now a lot of momentum going. And if you see, they're about to do a, a trainer's forum in England, and they have a, a lot of programs that um, that I think are very, very useful for them. Yeah, and you mentioned the, you, these programs, of course, and what we have here. I know you were um, involved with Lendon kickstarting this new emerging dressage Pro style program, Robert, and we hope to get Lendon on the show here shortly to talk more about that. And and that's a, that's an example, isn't it, Robert, of what we need at grassroots to encourage these young riders to emerge. Absolutely, I think that Lendon is um, obviously just a tremendous force in uh, for American dressage. She uh, has done more for junior young riders than just about everybody else combined. Uh, in the last decade. And I think that not only the fact that she is um, in charge of the junior young riders now, along with uh, Anne for um, the future for the next years, I think that that bodes well. And I think that the fact that she is starting this emerging dressage star program, which is basically to search out for um, and then nurture young talent in the dressage community in America. It will be, um, I hope, the the best way of assuring a bright future for American dressage. Well, we certainly need them all to be, always be coming up through the ranks, don't we, Robert? You know, we want more Stefan Peters out there. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. And if they if they you know don't have a place to to go where they can get the proper help early, and they don't feel like they're supported by uh, the community, and there isn't a great mentoring program, then of course uh, many of them fall by the wayside. So I think that Lendon will you'll see do an excellent job uh, in the near future and probably for many, many years to ensure that juniors are, um, are given every possible support to become the future Olympians for the country. Well, we know that you're also very involved with youth and uh, with your own students, uh, Robert. That keeps you very busy. I know you're, you're not competing at international level, but you certainly have a very full life. What else are you up to these days? Well, you know, I um, I have been going around doing um, a symposium tour, which is taking me just all over the world, and I have been really enjoying that tour. Um, my next symposium is actually not too far away from home, which is nice. It's in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, the last day of on October 31st and November 1st. And so I just finished uh, coming back from both San Diego and Los Angeles, where I had just a great time working with people like uh, Gunter Seidel and Christine Traurig, Jan Abeling, and Charlotte Bredal uh, with her new young horse, um, and Lori Doyle, who's always just a blast to work with. And, and just, you know, it's been a great, great um, uh, group out there to, to work with on a regular basis. So 
Um, I just came back from, from there and I, you know, I tried to go out once a month. I'm, I, I'm what I call semi retired, which means really just that instead of working morning till night, the way I did for so much of my life, I, I go to the barn, uh, in the morning and I'm done normally by say 1230 or one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I, um, you know, do my work on my doversworld.com, which is, has been a lot of fun to create. And, uh, it's been sort of an avenue for me to express myself and my, my opinions and my uh, feelings about all sorts of things, not just horses. So I spend my time with, with that as well. Um, and, um, yeah, that is what's been making me very happy along with, you know, just having a nice life with, uh, my partner, Robert, and my new dog, Simon. And, and, uh, and, and that's what I've been spending my time doing. Well, it sounds like life is quite complete for you. I was going to mention your website. We will put a link on our website to your website, Robert. Um, Wonderful. And because Wonderful. I know that this, as you say, it's it's more than just horses, isn't it? Your website. You're incorporating all your interests there, right? Oh, absolutely. And 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 not just that, but friends of mine and people who I think are are really uh, both important in my life and have just done great things in others people's life. I call it my out for good heroes. And um, I, I'm I'm doing a special one in the beginning of October that is um, for um, for not just one person but uh, a set of twins, and that is why it's been taking me so long to get this one ready. And people are saying, you know, where's your out for good hero for September? And and they'll see that it, the reason that it's taken so long is because there are two of them this time, and so uh, two pretty amazing people. Well, that's great, Robert. It's good to know that you're keeping so busy. You've got a very well-rounded life there. So we want to thank you again for spending time with us. We really appreciate you taking time out to join us on the show. We'll be sure to put a link on our website to your website so people can follow what Robert Dover's up to these days. Robert, a pleasure having you on the show. Well, great, Chris. Listen, it was a pleasure talking with you, and good luck with everything with your uh with your radio show and your website, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you soon, too. Thank you, Robert. Okay, take care. Well, our thanks to Robert for spending time with us, uh, Debbie. Fascinating to hear about these selection trials, and especially in the light of all these world records that are being broken. Oh, my gosh, that is for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can't wait to see these horses in person. You know, where do we go next? I mean, Robert talks about a hundred, a score of a hundred being excellent. No such thing as perfect, but excellent. Uh, but you have to wonder, somebody's going to hit, be hitting that hundred before much longer. Well, I hope so. I think it's been long overdue. Um, it would be exciting to finally see that our sport is better than average in most people's eyes. <laughs> it certainly is. Well, I think next year is going to be a very, very interesting tussle between uh, you have to say that the, the ones that are catching our eye now, these world record breakers like Totilis and Parzival and, and Ravel, uh, I think we, we're in for a thrilling, thrilling world equestrian games, don't you? I do. I think it's, uh, it'll be very exciting. And like I said, to have, to have it you know, here in our own country is even going to make it better. Well, we're looking forward to that. We're going to take a short break here for another commercial. And then we're going to listen to De Tra Debbie's training tip of the week. 
Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products, and that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offer supplements designed to target specific problems that are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation, and each product is backed by sound research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, thanks again to our sponsors, KPP. Um, we, we really appreciate their support. And, and now we're looking forward to Debbie's um, debut with her training tip of the week. Debbie, what have you got in store for us this week? Well, you know, I found through uh, doing clinics around the, the country a, a little training tip that I think people can, can do just to kind of check for their straightness and in preparation for changes. Um, Start riding on the quarter line and, and just uh, at the walk. And when you go to do your canter departure, check for straightness. A lot of times when the riders don't have the, the horse's shoulders really straight and they bend too much for the canter departures, they'll notice that the, their, the horse's shoulders will automatically run towards the rail and the haunches will fall to the inside. And that usually indicates that that is probably what's going to happen when they start to do flying changes as well. So just practice straight canter transitions on the quarter line and and really ride your horse straight through his shoulders and his neck and body. And therefore, if you can do that, you can do nice, straight, even changes. Terrific. That's a great tip, Debbie. Well, thank you for that. Um, You can find more of uh, Debbie's training tips. They will also be on Horse Tips Daily, um, our other partner radio show. And so... Lots of opportunity to keep up with Debbie, and we look forward to uh, you coming back again with your next one, Debbie. Thank you so much for that. We want to remind everybody um, that our show notes can be found at dressageradio.com. You can send us your feedback and leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025. You can email me at chris at horseradionetwork.com, and if you have any emails for Debbie at all, just send them to me. I'll make sure that Debbie receives them, and if you have any questions or comments, suggestions for Debbie, we would love to hear from you. We also want to remind you that the Dressage Radio Show has a fan page on Facebook, so you can uh, pick that up, that link up at our website and uh, head straight to that fan page uh, on Facebook. It's, it's becoming quite a forum out there, and we always update you with every show that uh, before, and we let you know when that show is going to be posted. As you know, if you follow the show, that's posted at the end of the week, usually on a Friday, at the latest on a Saturday each week. You can also follow us at Twitter. That's at Horse Radio. Now, have you started tweeting yet, Debbie? <laughs> no, I'm I'm already uh, too busy with just Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got quite a following on Twitter too, and uh, we always let everybody know when our shows are going to be posted, who the guests are going to be. We also want to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life and. Pe- 
Kentucky Performance products, they can be found at kppusa.com and Equestrian Life, the official social network of Horse Radio Network at equestrianlife.com. Well, Debbie, next week, Lisa Wilcox is going to be in your chair, um, and I'm delighted that you two are going to share that, that co-host uh, chair for a while with us. It's, it's really fun. I think uh, that way, you know, you both get to come on the show, and it's not too much to ask of you. Um, and I hope you really have enjoyed it, Debbie. It's been a delight having you. Well, I have, and thank you again for inviting me. Well, that's great, Debbie. We look forward to speaking to you again, what, in two weeks' time? Correct. And uh, next week we'll have Lisa. As I said, she'll be joining us here. So we look forward to you joining Lisa on the show. And uh, until next week, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, thank you, Debbie. You're welcome. Take care.